Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Ellen Trackman here with my sister, Jennifer White. Hey, I'm so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be your sister, especially at the holidays. Oh, me too. Although I'm sad not to see you this year. I know. Because who knows what kind of germs are on you. I I am germy. I, I put with that, you know, but it is the Cooties. first time that we have not been together for the holidays. I so. know. Well, I'm sure we'll Zoom. Exactly. Exactly. So. <sighs> um, so today is a, a bit of a different episode, which I really like. We have an academic, a professor on who wrote a book about surrogacy, and she's a sociologist by by training and what she teaches at University of California, Los Angeles. Jen, did you ever take sociology? I did, actually. And, and? I loved it. Um, wow. in, in another world another lifetime I actually really would have possibly pursued you know sociology I mean I loved it that much what excited you about it just the idea of studying people's nature Mm. maybe it's because I'm like one who likes to sit back and watch people and absorb and you know I'm I'm a people watcher like I I know it (laughs) um and so I think that part of it just the observational aspect was really really interesting to me I mean I just didn't know what you could do with a sociology degree. Well, you could write a book about surrogacy, which would be very fascinating. And then one day you could come on a podcast. That's exactly right. <laughs> Here we go. Aspirational dreams achieved by somebody else. Welcome, Juja Berend, to the show. We appreciate you joining us. Um, Juja, do you want to say hi? Make sure you're here. Oh, hi. Hi, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> and to give everyone a background about you and having you on. So you are definitely something different for us, which is exciting. Most of our stories are often personal stories about going through surrogacy, being a donor, being an attentive parent recipient, but you are a professor and come from an academic standpoint and have written, done a long study and written a book. So we are, we are very interested to hear about surrogacy from this academic standpoint. So do you want to start by telling us about your background and academics and the work you did before you got to this area? Yeah, so um, I did my PhD at Columbia and I did um, historical sociology, uh, 19th century. Um, I read lots of diaries and letters by um, native-born East Coast American women. And... um, and when I moved to LA, I, I couldn't really continue that work. Uh, I also had young children, and I started to teach family sociology. And one of my students happened on this, at the time, very small support site, and wrote a paper. And because I'm, I always like to see what you know the data is before I evaluate a, a paper. I logged on, and and because it's a public site. And I was pretty pretty amazed at what I was reading. So I kind of started to look at it because I was also teaching. So I thought maybe it's it's information for that. And um, and then I don't even know exactly when, at what point uh, did I decided that this is my research. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems my my son then uh, later on obviously said that I skipped the twentieth century, so I went um, <laughs> <laughs> from 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 the nineteenth directly to the twenty first, and and that was a good observation because it's truly not a very common uh, trajectory. But sure. I and, actually and found just to, just to back up, mm-hmm. I mean, most people come for come into this area as professionals or otherwise with some experience of surrogacy or donation mm-hmm. in their lives or mm-hmm. at least going through assisted reproductive technology. And you had none of that, right? Oh, none of that. But I, again, I'm not a native born American. I mean, I'm a woman, but so I actually always <laughs> do things that I'm not uh, <laughs> professionally. And that's one way to do it. I, you know, I know, uh, and increasingly people do, what they are, but I mean, that's, that's just not my thing. I mean, there are some benefits to that, obviously. Um, I think there are lots of benefits to doing something that you have really no experience with, uh, personally. 
because you just kind of really look at it. You ask all these questions. Yeah, you, you don't come with your own personal bias. You don't right? have any personal. Right. But it's interesting because when I first um, started to publish, um, the reviewers almost invariably, although I'm his blind review, they didn't know I was a woman, although I'm sure that they, ex- you know, kind of assumed, um, were, were asking me that I should, I mean, maybe it's a mean way to, to put it, that I should fess up, that why was mm. I on that site? And I was stunned oh. because I... While I you were doing the research or... When I, when I was, uh, you know, trying to publish and, and oh. I had my methods section and I basically just uh, straightforward, you know, I said I was on this site too uh, and, and this is what I did. Uh, and they just oh, kind of what, assumed that maybe I they- was... On yeah, the what site. did they think was your, your Well, intention? looking for a surrogate, you know, and then I decided mm-hmm. to do research. And I think that's exactly what, you know, uh, but the, I was kind of offended because I thought, well, had I done that, I would have said that, you know, like. Um, yeah, I'm not lying to you. <laughs> exactly. So it's not that I'm covering my tracks. It's just that there's nothing to confess. Right. And but then yeah. I started to write that I was on the site for professional reasons only and, you know. I mean, I had a, a meaner formulation, which I then revised Aww. because I, I had my own two kids the, the old fashioned way. And then I thought, OK, I don't I'm not going to say that. Yeah, sure. Uh, right. But yeah, it's 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 interesting to um, to see how common it is that people do something that that uh, happened to them or is personal in some ways. And there's some fan- fantastic work coming out of that for sure. Um, so what was it about your student's paper or this website that drew you to put so much of your time and energy into doing this research? I think it was, it's hard to even remember exactly. I thought it was just that it was um, this intriguing world that I didn't understand, kind of like mm-hmm. the, the 19th century native-born um, spinsters that I, <laughs> I did research on. You know, it's, it's, you have to immerse yourself in it, and I like that immersion. I like that sense that I, I'm, I'm figuring out what they are doing and, and how they are doing it and what it all means. Yeah. So it was kind of like a an adventure to some extent, but also an adventure I could do at home. (laughs) And as an academic, I mean, this is definitely a different way of looking at things. Do you want to, the best you can in layman terms, tell us about kind of methodology and what you did and how that even works for sociology studies? Yeah. So this was, um, and I'm not particularly brave, I don't think. So maybe if I had known what it involved, I wouldn't have done it. Because this site, of course, web, you know, these kinds of forums grow. I just didn't know that <laughs> at the mm-hmm. time. And and methodologically, it, it it does pose all kinds of problems. Because, you know, you come up with like, oh, yeah, it, I have these categories. And mm-hmm. I, I'm going to save, uh, I did save discussions, uh, kind of cutting and pasting, right? Um, threads. And and I labeled them, and then I said, "Oh my God, it's just growing, and my labels are are you know not <laughs> not good enough." And so that's why it took me so long. And and now people write about uh, doing uh, research online, but at the time there was nothing, <laughs> and I didn't even think I was some kind of a trailblazer because I'm not a methods person. Um, but as an interactionist sociologist, my my my. Um, instinct, so to speak, sociological instinct was to think about threads as the unit and not posts. Because uh, because posts are, you know, people post, but then they respond to each other. And that's the meaningful unit because as I, um, I mean, as I see this, I can say anything, but a joke is not a joke unless people laugh, right? So I, so that's the kind of thing that happens in threads, that someone posts and then people respond. And it's really from the responses that you have a social sense of what's going on. And I could figure out, for example, that how important it was um, to to frame the story in a certain way because responses told you you know, 
what other women then took as, oh my God, I'm so sorry it happened to you and, and kind of have that support versus uh, berating the, 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 the surrogate who posted that. Very similar stories could get very different responses based on how they were framed, how they were presented. Yeah, I, I say I read something that you had published out there about and exactly, I think it's the same point of what you're saying mm-hmm. is like that they have an evolved common language and that yes. you almost have to use the right language to be accepted. Yes, but also... Yes, absolutely. And and they they would even say, are you a surrogate? <laughs> you know, like they would mm-hmm. actually kind of question that this person could possibly be a surrogate. Uh, so there's that sort of group uh, sense that they they worked out over time how to talk about this, what, what, what it means. But then, for example, if someone just wrote, you know, this happened to me and the pregnancy was so hard and my intended parents were not even grateful and I'm just, you know, um, I, I went through a lot of hardship. That's not going to fly. Uh, and, and a lot of people then comment on like, what did you expect? Like you weren't very informed if if this is your problem, right? Didn't you know that it was hard? Didn't you know that you would have, uh, you know, less time with your family? I mean, all that, right? So it goes back to, well, you didn't do your homework. <laughs> but when someone posted exactly the same thing, but started out by saying, but I wanted to create a family and I did that. And I'll never regret giving life, which I'm not saying is just a phrase. I think it is heartfelt once you work out the meanings, you know. Uh, then, then these women got a lot of support. They said, yeah, we know. I hope that the next time it'll be a much better journey. And I'm so sorry it happened to you. But yes, you're, you're wonderful. You're, you're the better person because you know, you rose above it, you, you, and you created life. Yeah. That so, is fascinating. It can be the same story. And just exactly. Kind of just, just if, if you don't draw the conclusion that you don't regret it and that creating life is its own reward. And there are of course, a few different ways to, to say that it's not that formulaic, although to some extent it is. Uh, people will get a lot of uh, a, a lot of critical comments, and and so that really told me something about mm-hmm. how together they worked out the, what I call the ethos of surrogacy. The ethos mm-hmm. of surrogacy is not simply creating life and then you know being disappointed if it doesn't work out that way. It's really pretty much saying that you can't be fully disappointed. Although mm. you can be disappointed in your specific intended parents, but but that yeah. because giving life, you you cannot regret that. That's really interesting, and what? and I yeah, I think it's really important too to realize right that that this is this is the meaning they they kind of collectively created over time. Yeah, what other kind of collective beliefs that. Did you see that surprised you or were unexpected? Well, there were lots of really, really interesting things. So one was that there was this, you know, I did this, I was self-sacrificing, I did um, all these different things and it was Mm -hmm. hard. And up to a point, (laughs) people got their response like really positive response that you were you're fantastic yeah this this is the best gift you 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 could give meaning not not the baby the baby is not the gift um mm. but you were yourself right <laughs> everything that you put into it and all the sacrifices and you you go along you read on and and then all of a sudden there's someone who says and if you take any money, if you accept any money, then of course um, you, you, you're just, you know, doing it for the money. And then they say, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, and then then the response is that often they make fun of people like that. Say, oh yeah, that holier than thou uh, response. Oh, interesting. So, so you realize there are limits. You know, you don't know where the limits are up until you run into them, right? Yeah. And and that's what these women ran into, <laughs> uh, going a little 
overboard with the self-sacrifice and and others then push back against it. So that was so interesting to see that, no, it's not that everyone wants to be a complete angel. You know, they're sane and they, Mm -hmm. they know that that this kind of overstating the case or maybe even just uh, petitioning for that role you know is 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 not is not going to fly on this on this forum so so that was one neat thing to realize that um that that they kind of had to yeah, and they did, right? Um, have some sort of a balanced view as to how much self-sacrifice mm-hmm. <laughs> is well, saying. That question about compensation is so controversial mm-hmm. throughout the world mm-hmm. where, you know, compensated surrogacy is illegal in most of Europe and some right. countries. Well, mo- most of your surrogacy generally is illegal. Is illegal, yes. Few countries are okay with it as long as it's not compensated right. as well as Canada. And obviously, this this is an American forum, right? Were there were there international? There were some the Canadians, forum? you know. So that okay. was sometimes that was the drama. Some Canadians yeah. and some British, and they would say, "Well, we don't get compensated." Then then the Americans would say, "Well, come on, <laughs> <laughs> right. come on, say, uh, define, you don't call it compensation." Yeah, yeah. No. And do they say? Do they say like, "Okay, you're just not calling it compensation"? Exactly, it, yeah. exactly. Yeah, exactly. They they say things like, "Well, of course, you call it." Re- Reimbursements, and they are absolutely right. Obviously, American surrogates usually make more, so that's also true. But it's not true that British and Canadians are so-called altruistic. And the American surrogates all say that we are all altruistic when we do that, and they're absolutely mm-hmm. right. You know, money and gift, money and altruism can coexist, and they're so that was a brilliant thing when they articulated that. They said even if it just. A, a, a good, like a warm and fuzzies, right? Feeling that you get that you've helped this family. That's already a benefit to you. Mm-hmm. And they're so right. So yeah. there's no good deed. I mean, unless someone is a really mean person and hates to, <laughs> you know, uh, benefit other people, in which case benefiting other people will not bring any benefits to the person, but that's kind of a nonsensical situation, right? So, Right. And I find that people online can be especially mean, <laughs> you know, can just yes. say things that they would never say to your face. Did you find in these forums that kind of anti-surrogacy people or, you know, what was there... An anti-surgery no, or like a level no, of meanness no. that you wouldn't see in the real in real world? So there was meanness among the women. Um, mm, okay. they, that was another interesting thing. They always fantasize that there are trolls on the website um, mm-hmm. and that they just say things to get a rise out of the surrogates and you know, they just come to, to, to make trouble. And they, they, they fantasized about that periodically. Um, and it didn't so happen. It's true. No, it, it really no. wasn't. And that's the people saying things were not trolls. They were legitimately saying they them. were legitimately just kind of a little uneducated and and mm-hmm. uninformed and didn't write well, you know. <laughs> um, but but the proof of the pudding is that that so someone came with some story and it really sounded fishy i understand why maybe after so many you know uh, years of doing that i i i really could see why they thought it was fishy but um but they jumped on it they said oh you you uh, are just a troll and 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 this can't be true and they always brought up all these kind of legitimate and informed reasons why this didn't sound <clears throat> right. And then nothing. And then they they basically celebrated, right? That we we got this person, we we outed this person who was a troll. Uh, and <clears throat> and then let's say three, four days later, the person came back and said, you know, I just don't know what happened. I I, I went to a funeral, I was offline for a few days. And I'm not coming back if this is the reception I get. Um, And so (laughs) I'm not saying in every drama case that happened, but it happened very often that someone came back after a few days and said, why do you expect me to be online all the time? I'm not, you know, uh, to respond, (laughs) right? Because these women lived on SMO, a lot of them, Mm -hmm. you know, they would uh, be reading and posting and responding 
and not everyone did that, um, but they were not they were not trolls. So the bottom line is, and again, you can make sense of this. You can make sense of it. All, all these things, is that they thought their side, their forum was so important, you know, and that they people wanted to piss them off or people wanted to cause trouble or people were anti-surrogacy or people were uh, thinking that they were doing some horrible thing because they, they were paid. Um, but in fact, pretty much they cared, I cared. <laughs> I don't know who else cared, you know, um, to be on the site and, and just read it and post stuff. I mean, really, no one. I mean, it's... Um, so they they were um, thinking about their own world, their, the, the importance of their own world when they always imagined that there was some troublemaker coming, but I didn't mm. see that, didn't see that at all. In during all this, are you posting too, or are you just sitting no, back I, and watching? For okay. for a long time, actually, I wasn't. Um, if, I mean, I wasn't allowed to be a member because oh. I wasn't a surrogate and I wasn't an intended parent, and I don't and, lie. <laughs> and does that mean you can see posts but you can't post, or what? Yeah, does that mean it it, it okay. meant that I could post as a guest. So, for example, oh. I could post. Uh, you know, I'm a sociologist. I'm interested in your stories. Please, da da da, as a guest. But I did not join discussions. I couldn't, and I couldn't see their their. Um, communications that were not public. There's a, a, a private side to members, uh, uh, you, you know, the member side where they can uh, email each other uh, th- through their account or even, you know, exchange like phone numbers and, and all kinds of um, uh, more um, private sort of um, uh, discussions can go on, but I I wasn't privy to that, which mm-hmm. also means that I really only saw what other people saw, which I think has benefits, you know, uh, that I wasn't uh, uh, wasn't seeing anything else uh, than, mm-hmm. than anyone who logged on to this site saw. So, I mean, it sounds like for a lot of threads or kind of like a consensus formed, mm-hmm. were there some issues? Where it just wasn't that way, where, you know, some people felt one way about an issue and a lot of other people felt this other way. Did you see much of that? Well, there was always some of that. Uh, so this kind of creating life is its own reward. That was definitely a, a, a fairly strong kind of <laughs> collective uh, meaning that they came up with. Another mm-hmm. one was... Uh, that you're not in it to make new best friends. If you're in it to make new best friends, then it's on you. Any disappointment, anything is on you. You have to be in it to to help families, and you have to be a strong and independent woman to do that. You you know you if um, these people don't become your friends, you still you know. So so these went hand in hand. And by these people, we mean the intended parents. The intended parents, right? yeah, whoever, yeah, yeah, whoever the intended parents are. Um, there was a fairly strong sense on the side that we we not only don't just do it for the money, <laughs> uh, but we can't. Even if we started out by by caring about the money or or thinking that wow that pays well and I have easy surrogacies, you end up finding all these other things that are, that become more important. So that was another. Uh, fairly strong kind of agreement. There were disagreements yeah, what, about what lots of things, things. But, but even those ke- kept coming up a lot and then they discussed it again and again. So it wasn't simply that, okay, we think otherwise <laughs> about this than, than you and then we'll leave it alone. One was obviously money. They, they struggled with that. Uh, yeah. Many of them said, I feel bad, but, or, or not even but, and then increasingly said, you shouldn't feel bad. <laughs> it, it's very well, hard work. I'm just guessing, but I'm sure it was like more nuanced too. Though. Yes. Like, there's yes, like compensation, yes. but then what about lost wages and can lost exactly. wages be capped and those kind of issues. So they agreed that lost wages have to, uh, cannot be capped. They agreed on that because so many of them lost, you know, <laughs> lost money on surrogacy. So it's, uh, it's not funny yeah. even how much you can lose. Um, so that was a no, no. 
some other things were more more contentious uh, for a while. For example, lost um, uh, reproductive um, organ um, fee <laughs> because that yeah, was, it's a pretty crazy thought, right? right? That someone's paying you when you're you lose an ovary or right, your uterus. and right. and so the 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 fascinating thing was that there are two ways to think about it. One is that, and they said that it's not like a workplace injury. The uterus is not my workplace, you know, and it's not a job. Right. So if I lose my fertility, um, it's going to be sad, but that's not my livelihood. I don't need to be compensated for that, you know. Uh, but then other people right. said, but, you know, you might be on medication for a long time. You might have other health-related expenses. So it does going to cost you um, money if, if, if you lose your fertility. And so, so it was kind of both were compelling ways to think about it. But I think because surrogates so... Um, uh, didn't want to think, and still I think these surrogates um, don't want to think about surrogacy as as work, as a job. I mean, it's work. They know it's work, but it's work to do dishes uh, in that sense, right? It's it's work right. to raise children. It's not a market job. And so anything that signaled that it's a market job, they were kind of suspicious of, and they didn't really want it. Uh, so that was lost reproductive organ fees. But then there's a related development, which is that um, lawyers started to specialize uh, in surrogacy. And, gross. And I'm just they, Those lawyers. <laughs> right. Oh, they're the worst. Oh, and no. they draw okay. <laughs> up increasingly detailed um, um, yeah. contracts and they have standards that they can then, in a way, maybe push or at least present as like, this is it. And then the surrogates can take it up. And it's uh, it's happening now. Some surrogates say, no, no, I, I really don't want that that much. <laughs> they really do say that. This is this is just you know um, a scheme to get more money from my intended parents, and I'm not in on that. Um, but it became maybe a standard provision, which it wasn't before. The standard provision. So we're back in a, to in a contract. The lost the lost organ. Yes, or yes, the, and then the the, the 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 actual monetary amount uh, varies. Yeah, but it is now. I think routinely included in a contract, which it didn't used to be. It didn't used right. to be. There, there's a life insurance component, which used to be standard, but the um, lost reproductive organ fee was not even necessarily in the contract at all. And then some people said, "Well, I will have you know that provision, right. and maybe a, you know it, it, <laughs> they had like fifteen hundred dollars or two thousand dollars, things like that. So it wasn't." ever too much. <laughs> um, yeah. So there are things that develop this way, partly because of the legal, you know, field kind of. <laughs> cool yeah. Talk. I mean, being in the legal field, it is interesting that there are so many of these contractual provisions that have developed a certain way. And then, you know, some, but some attorneys disagree and there's mm -hmm. still a lot of kind of evolving thought. About oh yeah. 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 So I'm not works. saying it's totally standardized in the legal no. profession, but I think it's there now, you know, as a, as a, as an item. <laughs> Much yeah. more. So I just, one that I'm curious about mm -hmm. from the legal perspective is sometimes we see intended parents who want to have a lot more control and uh -huh. they're like, well, I'm paying her to do this. And this is important. Right. And you know, I'm, I'm sympathetic and understand some of the reasons. So like a, one of them would be like, we need her to eat organic. That's really important. Oh to yeah. Us. Yeah. Yeah. I saw While those. others are like, we just trust her, you know, whatever. Right. What, I'm curious about what you're seeing in that kind of realm. Yeah. So there was a lot of that, uh, the, the lifestyle prohibitions uh, category. They, they were already, you know, there um, years ago. And it went from, you know, don't use nail polish, don't use hair coloring, don't, you know, use um, uh, harsh chemicals for cleaning um, and, and, and yeah, eat organic or don't use Teflon <laughs> cookware. Uh, one, one surrogate, that was pretty outstanding that her intended, I don't even know how that happened. She wasn't home. Her intended mother went to her house and threw out all her 
What's all her that? Teflon dishes. And I'm thinking, maybe you what? shouldn't have given her a key. I don't know. I mean, this is- <laughs> I honestly didn't even know that. Is Teflon an, is an issue? That's an issue? Yeah, <laughs> that was an issue. Yeah, I can tell you okay. a lot of issues <laughs> if you're interested. Right? Yeah, what are the uh, ones that surprised you that I, you know, I, I well, have four kids uh, myself and I didn't know about I Teflon. I don't even know because I guess I've read so much that nothing surprised me after a while, you yeah. know, but <laughs> so for example, not eating cold cuts, right? I mean, that's not even surprising that, that anymore. Right. Right, right, right. But the kind of thing that eat eat like be, be vegan because we're vegan or 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 i mean the organic uh, you know yeah i mean it's on a range right but what kind of surprised me initially was how much my surrogates my surrogates were on board with all that you know they didn't say oh that's an overreach they said yeah but you know what i understand if it were their baby, that's what they would do. Therefore, they want me to do that because it's their baby. <laughs> um, so I think they were, on the whole, really, really sympathetic. Interesting. So did you see a schism of people who talked about agency gestational carriers and independently yeah. matched gestational carriers? Okay, so there are a few few back issues here that I want to still yeah. briefly talk about. Sure. So disagreements on the site about things. So one was selective reduction, for example. Oh, yeah. um, that was a biggie. And yeah. how many embryos to transfer was a biggie. And how many mm-hmm. embryos to transfer evolved a ver- in a very interesting way. Initially, it was like, yeah, a bad embryo quality, the RE told us and the, the, the only a 1% chance of and and we transferred six and I'm just falling off my chair here you know and and then right? and then they Whoa. were pregnant with with triplets and then they miscarried I mean you know lots and lots of bad stories but for a while it was yeah you know the first one didn't work the second transfer didn't work and then the third we decided to be aggressive and transferred six or transferred oh, five. Oh. And I'm, you know, wow. so it was I just, like, they were aggressive and, and transferred two or three, but whoa. <laughs> no, no, that, that, exactly. But then this really changed over time and said transfer, because initially it was transfer as many as you're willing to carry. That was the mantra. And right. then it became. But people were willing to carry six? Well, they were, no, I mean, they knew that it wouldn't all stick, right? As yeah. they say, oh, it was right. just that they wanted to be pregnant. And then then they read up on, on, on medical literature and they said, look, it doesn't increase the chances of pregnancy. It just increases the chances of multiples. Yeah. And I said, mm-hmm. statistical savvy, I can't believe this is happening. It's so great, mm, right? When people yeah. understand the difference, because for a while they, they certainly didn't know. And then they read up on things and said, you know, no, we we want one healthy. The goal is one healthy baby. So it, it became from as many as I'm willing to carry because I'm a selfless surrogate to no, no, no. What's good for the babies, right? What's good for oh, for for yeah. the health of the baby? So that was one thing that also evolved. You could see the evolution. There were lots of sane voices who said, like that, that's insane to to transfer five or six. But yeah. but then increasingly these were the only voices, you know, and and one and and then it became this like, what are you trying to 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 birth a whole football team or you know like that sort of thing? So they were really kind of demeaning <laughs> to the <laughs> to mm. um, so that was part of the cattiness, but again, maybe uh, in a way they they had a point. Um, the other thing, the selective uh, uh, reduction. Now that became a really bad, bad, big thing, and and that was the two sides. One is that one is yeah. the it's their pregnancy, but it's in my body, you know, and and then but we can't tell mm-hmm. anyone what kind of uh, parents they should be or what they should be able to do as parents, you know, what kind of kids they should be able to to raise and all that. So basically, the solution to that, which was a very good solution instead of bickering about it, which they did for years, to say, look, you just have to sit down and have a very detailed list and agree. If you don't agree, don't work together. Don't work with these intended parents. So it's yeah. it's, it's it's fine if you 
agree to have selective reduction. I mean, finding that maybe we don't want to know, <laughs> but uh, but but if you agree, uh, it's 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 an agreement. But if you hope that your intended parents won't ask you that, then then get real yeah. and put it down in the contract. Agree. And the contract is basically just a codified agreement. So it's not so much that it's in the contract. It's just that you went through it and you agreed. You're on the same page, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, was... and that's actually, as an attorney, that's how we feel like this area, mm-hmm. whenever it comes to termination or reduction, there's mm-hmm. so many legal issues and problems mm-hmm. with it that really just we're trying to memorialize like the understanding of what is agreed to between the parties. Yeah, exactly. So that's what the surrogates then ended up very wisely actually saying that, look, we're not judging you. It's just that you have to know what you're doing and you have to put aside your hopes that, of course, we will be on the same page. You know, you have to make sure that you are. <laughs> and yeah. um, so just talk to, to your intended parents and bring up all these really uncomfortable issues, you know. And if you're not mm-hmm. willing to, to terminate a down baby, then don't agree to it. And But don't, don't kind don't of... Don't just hope. Don't just hope, that, right. That because they yeah. would say, well, but that's an otherwise healthy baby. Why would they want to, you know... Um, terminate that pregnancy. And and then some some surrogate said, yeah, I mean, I would raise a down baby or I would even carry a down baby and adopt it out as some did uh, and, and pay back the money or not, you know, um, to the intended parents. But then there are legal issues because you're in breach of contract and, you know, all that. So, so don't do that before yeah. you, you know, really agree. Uh, uh, that that uh, the intended parents see the issues the same way. Yeah. So that was a big thing. I mean, and to answer Jen's mm-hmm. question, I'm curious what was what was the thinking about independent versus? Oh yeah, agency? yeah. So there was that. Yeah. Uh, that also was an evolving thing. That. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are uh, not a professional, <laughs> you know, you're not a professional surrogate, but you know things. <laughs> and yeah. so the so it was offensive if the intended parents talked to the doctor above your head and the doctor talked back to them above your head. So they were kind of yeah. offended by that. But at the same time, they reminded each other that it's the intended parents' pregnancy. <laughs> so it was always... Mm-hmm. Um, a very delicate balance between I'm not just a means to an end, you know, I'm an end in myself as a person, as mm-hmm. a human being, but I'm super sympathetic to my intended parents' concerns and 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 how it's their pregnancy and therefore it's their baby and therefore they have control and they lost control because they then can't carry the baby. And so they always yeah. started, they always reminded each other that as, as a shared understanding, and I'm not saying it's reality, it's just that their shared understanding that the intended parents already lost so much that even if they're over, overly controlling or even if they mm-hmm. ask you to do unreasonable things to some extent, you, you want to understand them. You want to see where they're coming from. Did that thinking change at all? Or were there different well, discussions when it wasn't a heterosexual couple versus a gay couple who didn't necessarily go through like the struggle? Yeah. So that, but yeah, no, it was interesting to see how the assumption was that everyone was super traumatized. Every intended parent basically mm. had PTSD. And sometimes they kind of said, well, but you know what? They... Trauma can teach you to be to to be sympathetic, to to have more empathy, and so why isn't that happening? And but those were very very muted voices, usually um, expressed to me in an email. Um, oh, people would email you separately. Say, I, I, I emailed with, with several surrogates. Yeah, over oh. the years, I emailed with quite a few surrogates, and with some of them, I emailed. Okay. Uh, f- you know that was really important too because I could ask them these questions. Like I read this. Uh, forum, I read this um, thread and there are, you know, there were some real drama threads. And so that, so what do you think about that? You know, to see how yeah. they think about it, because I saw how they responded often enough. But so, mm-hmm. you know, those were very useful. 
there were some bafflements that I didn't were understand. Were they especially useful because they wouldn't express what they were thinking in that public forum, but they would tell you in an email? Not, like I mean, not necessarily that they said very different things. It's just mm-hmm. that maybe they did highlight something that they wouldn't, or maybe it was taken for granted on the site, you know, that they all kind of... Um, but it wasn't so much that, oh, I, in, 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 on the site, I do this or say this, but to you, I'm going to say that. No, mm-hmm. um, but there were maybe more. So for example, my, one of my questions was that, why, how is it that on the site in the, uh, surrogates always say that all intended parents, all people who want a child deserve one. Like, what is this deserving thing? And what is it that surrogates are willing to work with single men yeah. who are and 16? Was that a consensus or not a consensus? It was a consensus. Deserve, it oh, was pretty much a consensus. Child, no matter what. Yes, okay. yes, yes. If they want one, they deserve one, right? If they are working toward having one, they deserve one. And I understand that to some extent. But then, I mean, not that I necessarily agree with the whole deserving thing, but I I understand what they were saying. Um, But then they really worked with some of them, you know, with older single men or older Mm -hmm. married couples who had health issues. I mean, there were some things that seemed irresponsible. How did the group take that? So the thing is that um, and that was very illuminating when I emailed with a couple of surrogates and I asked about that. And and they really so uh, amazingly illuminated the issue. They said, well, yeah, um, we don't want to judge, mm-hmm. meaning truly, <laughs> deeply, <laughs> we don't want to pass moral judgments. And, but? And, <laughs> no. <laughs> no but? <laughs> right? But... We can decide who we work with, mm. you know. So, uh, yes. So we won't pass public moral judgment. We won't we'll pass, just pass private moral judgment, and, and not even moral judgment. We just decide what what we are comfortable with or what we want to do and don't want to do. So and the was surrogates. It kind of- individual base we're like okay i'm working with an older single man and people might be like generally against that but i this man i think exactly that's always what happened Mm -hmm. absolutely always what happened but he has a wonderful support system and uh or yes uh my intended mother had you know three bouts of um of cancer but now she's in remission you know It was it was really painful sometimes to see, you know, how they um, or yes, I, I I decided not to work with intended parents who who are older than forty, but my you know intended parents are fifty and they're so energetic. So there's always this exception, right? That my intended parents are healthier and and more more um, uh, vigorous and energetic than than my thirty year old friends and, and that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but um, but there were lots of different things that were not. They didn't contradict what they said on the side. They just um, could explain things in ways that made perfect sense to me once I heard them say that, you know, uh, in in emails. So that was uh, that was definitely a good um, methodologically an, an extra thing. So I you know I started to talk about methodological problems and they just multiplied, but. Pretty much, uh, and, and I'm yeah. curious. What I mean, what would you like explain a methodological problem of what? Yeah, what that, that it is grew. That see. that it's very hard to keep data straight. Um, the one great advantage is that you can go back. It's not like field notes where you you were there, you took field notes, and then if you didn't take good field notes, you can't go back to that event, right? You, you, um, so you, you don't have data for whatever it was that you messed up. Yeah. So here you can go back and search. And I did a lot of that searching for certain keywords. Um, on the whole, since I read the site, basically I logged on daily, you know, to see what was going mm-hmm. on. And it's all, it's, you upload it in your brain. So certain things start um, sort, not sorting themselves out, but you, you start to see certain differences, certain nuances, and then 
you adjust your categories and that's how you start saving it. So it's, it's an ongoing thing and, and, and really not easy. And some people just sample, you know, they say, oh, I'm going to look at this site between this date and that date. So mm-hmm. usually that's how they solve the problem. And what was your your sample or your time frame? Oh, my time or frame was like 10 me. years, you know. <laughs> wow. Oh, wow. I'm not kidding. It, it was that really insane. It's really insane, actually. <laughs> are you kind of like you did this study, you wrote a book. Mm-hmm. Are you kind of done with the service? Or are you still following? Are you still academically? So this interested? site actually, which was, it happens actually to ethnographers, right? That they do something and they kind of wonder about how much longer they want to do it. And then the site kind of disappears on them. Mm. Um, you know, you, you go to a bar and then the bar closes down or, you know, that <laughs> sort of thing. So, so in nine, in, in 2013 and 14, I, I noticed that there was much less traffic on the site, but then the surrogates noticed too. And as it turned out, they were relocating to Facebook groups. Yeah. And right. so now the site is basically informational. People can search for various things on it, but there's no really no new discussion. And so... so that, have you moved to Facebook? No, no. I, I, I've never been on Facebook. <laughs> I've, what? I've, wow. No, no, I'm, to, you know, wow. so, so that's, that's when people, I mean, they find what I do extremely funny because I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Instagram. I'm not a tech person. I don't, you know, yeah. I don't do this except for right. this, this forum. Um, and then they kind of wrote on still for a while on, on SMO saying that, oh, I saw Miss SMO, the, the, um, uh, the Facebook group is really um, very mean. People are, but yeah, so was, mm. you know. So was SMO? <laughs> so was SMO in many ways. No. And I, I so get it. It's like, oh, hon, we are so, I'm so sorry it happened to you. And the, 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 call me. And uh, I mean, all this real warm and, and embracing kind of sisterhood, but at the same time, this, the bitchiness of sisterhood, you know? So it was both in many ways. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's what happens when women get together <laughs> in numbers. I don't know. No, I uh, don't know. I feel like online people are much more cruel and safe. No, no, it's people. true. Hopefully would not tell you if you were in person with other people. <laughs> but it's not like... Um, it's not like the anonymous online world in a way, you know? I mean, so it was, yes, it's easier maybe to be mean uh, to someone on, on a forum, but it wasn't uh, like this, the real trolling and, and cruelty that also happens online. So it was somewhere in between. Um, and and uh, sometimes these kinds of things people said they probably would have said in 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 person too. You know, it 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 was kind of a heartfelt <laughs> outrage or heartfelt indignation or whatever it was. Um, yeah. So and then I read um, with a student of mine who did research um, on a uh, on another site. Um, it was military veterans, mostly men. And I must say they were super nice to each other. Just so oh. amazingly. I, I know I, it was really eye-opening to me. That's interesting. Yes. Interesting. Yes. Oh. yes. No, they were like 100% um, uh, supportive and, and did not criticize each other the way they that these women did. So there there are some no. differences, I think, not just... That, sorry, what was that site? That was a different topic. Or, that, yeah, or... yeah, yeah. That was just a, an honor student doing doing research on uh, on, a, on a forum and, uh, and and that was his forum. So no, it's, it wasn't for publication mm-hmm. or anything. It was just a, you know, um, honors project, um, research project. Yeah. But it gave me an your... opportunity to, uh, <laughs> to, to compare... I mean, it sounds like at this point you've kind of moved on to other projects, other topics, but what kind of what are your takeaways from all of this time and energy that you spent studying this world? I, you know, probably so I could have <laughs> done something more quickly or or could have done something <laughs> else. I mean, I, I'm not regretting it. I think I think what I found is is still pretty unique um, in that I 
what I found was what these women do together. Not when someone asks them a question and they respond. And often when people uh, interview surrogates, it sounds, I don't know, it, it sounds a little scripted and also sounds maybe a little um, unrealistic. But knowing how they came up with these things, you know, like I was there when they formulated these collective understandings and they worked it out and they they debated it back and forth. And um, so it's not that they all think the same thing and, whoa, that's why they're surrogates. You know, the psychological explanation would be that there are a certain type of people and therefore what I saw was, no, they're all kinds of people. They're just as varied as <laughs> women in general, you know, almost. Uh, but they came up with things because they they had a vested interest in a way to make sense of it and to find support and to get advice and to give advice. And and so this kind of um, what surrogacy is in as far as the surrogates are concerned, that's work and that happened um, uh, to some extent on this site. And this was the main site, you know, lots of women read it and, was pretty influential. So I kind of feel that I I I captured something <laughs> that uh, that interview data can't capture and interview data might even um make people believe that it's kind of backwards in a way, like that it happens the other way around that women are of a certain type uh, you know, certain personality traits and that's when they become surrogates. And I, my argument is is the opposite, that um, they click with surrogacy for whatever reason and there are a bunch of different reasons. Um, but once they do it, they, um, they learn to feel a certain way, to, to, to relate a certain way. You know, it's learning. Yeah. They did ask initially, they say, how... Wh- how how will I feel when I give birth? What What's your experience yeah. with that? They didn't right. know how they would feel. I mean, that is always a concern. Like people from the outside are often like, how can you give away a baby? I could never give away a baby. Like, yeah. That, and then that kind of language. Right. And and right. then they learn to, because they asked each other, what do you say? And they, they've worked out, you know, it's not, it's not my baby. I can't give away what's not mine. That, that was never mine. Right. Like you can, so... So they came up with some very um, powerful articulations of, and after that, they didn't discuss it anymore, you know? So I could also see discussions, vibrant discussions that then disappeared. They solved it. Now they know what to say. They're not going to go back and discuss it again, you know? So that was was also interesting. Um, I moved on to some, I mean, not fully. Um, so <laughs> not, fully. <laughs> not fully because, uh, not fully. You're here with us, right? Partly, but partly I, I, I started to email, um, many years ago with Ellie, um, um, Timon, who is, um, um, who, who did work on Israeli surrogacy. And, um, mm-hmm. I, I liked her book very much, and but at the time I didn't have anything published um, on surrogacy, so I I didn't feel like emailing her saying I work on surrogacy because I, I I'm just very self um, conscious about that, right? I can't say that unless I actually have something published. So I waited till I published my sure. first article and then I emailed her, and we hit it off, and that's such an interesting thing because. I was working with online data and then I was corresponding with Ellie and we, we became friends. Uh, I, I, I mean, we both felt we became friends. We never met at the yeah. time. We met, when was it? Two, three years ago? The, for the first time. Oh, great. And yeah. uh, we wrote, so we said, oh, it would be so fantastic to write a comparative piece. And then, oh, yeah, 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 mm. she's raising kids. I'm da, da, da. Year, yeah. Years go by, years go by. And then we started to write comparative pieces. And so we published um, a few different things. 
comparative um, because I think it's such a good yeah. comparison because there are so many mm-hmm. common things, but there's some really different things. So that's the be- that's the best comparison, you know, to me. I yeah. mean, comparing American and Indian surrogacy, sure, one can do that, but uh, to me... It's less illuminating because because pretty much there are only differences, you know. But but with Israel, there are some really very significant similarities, and yet some yeah. some different understandings. And much of it is political, you know. Sure. So so that's what we've done. Um, so mm-hmm. I'm still. And you have projects still in the works? Well, probably not too many more. Um, my data is not that new. Uh, I had some ideas about, because you, you can frame it as it's on about surrogacy or it's about mm-hmm. the symbolic meaning of money or mm. money and gift practices or online communications, right? And in yeah. that sense, the data is not necessarily that old. Like how do people do something online on a support forum and it happens to be surrogacy, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I, I wrote a piece that I just didn't really quite finish fully about this kind of interactional, how emotions work, right? How how pe- people, how mm-hmm. women were um, marshalling emotions to achieve certain ends and how, I mean, that kind of thing. So I think I could do something with something a little more with my data, not just to get more, you know, mileage out of it, but because there are some really interesting sociological issues. Um, Well, when we post this, we will definitely link to your book and to your comparative articles. And I think we'll all be looking for your future work as well, because it's so fascinating. Thank you. (laughs) Really appreciate you coming on and sharing all this. Definitely so interesting and a really um, fun and interesting perspective. Yeah, world. thank you. One more last yeah. couple of minutes um, about gratitude, because I, I was thinking that if I were more enterprising, I would hire myself out as a gratitude advisor or, or counselor. <laughs> because what I've seen often, so often, is that the surrogates want appreciation. They really actually want gratitude, but then they say they don't, because wanting it is... You know, that's one of these things that's kind of freely given. So you, if you want it, it, it seems like you're needy. And so they don't want to be needy. They're strong women, as I said, you know. So so there's that whole conundrum that um, they would love to, love to have a good relationship and, and kind of have gratitude expressed in the relationship in like phone calls or cards or, or little, you know, updates or pictures. Um, but... When they say things like, oh, it would be lovely to get something or, you know, send me some new pictures, intended parents sometimes think, oops, we, if we go down that road, if we show gratitude, they'll, they'll want more. So they take gratitude to be indebtedness, you know, in the bad sense that I will be owing her and owing her and she'll just want more and more and I shouldn't even go down that path. And so there is that mishandling of gratitude, I think, or misgiving about if I show gratitude or appreciation that they'll just want more. I've seen a lot of that. And I think convincing people, and of course, you know, some surrogates may want more, I don't know. But on the whole, what I've seen is that they're actually they're happy with a few updates. They're happy with a few pictures and a few emails. So if intended parents just embrace gratitude, you know, and express it in some ways, I think a vast majority of surrogates wouldn't want more at all. Hmm. And so that's my insight into that. Yeah, no, it's really, that's a good But a good the burden of gratitude is great. And we all know that, right? It is a burden. And and to to handle it intelligently, well, that's hard, but but probably possible. So that's 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 my last uh, last insight actually into into all this. No, I think that's a good one. That's fantastic. Well, thank you oh, again. Thank you well, so thank much. You, we really appreciate and it. I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> Thanks, Professor Barron, for taking the time to share your expertise. Um, it was very illuminating and, and absolutely fascinating. 
Yes. I Again, I love the fact that you can sit back and watch people and see these collective understandings being made and then just they move on. Like, I, I love how she explained exactly that. So it was fantastic. Um, speaking of uh, sitting back and watching things and moving on, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Um, <laughs> what? It, it is the holidays. So I think we're going to take a few week break for any of you who are looking for our regularly scheduled Wednesday releases. Um, but because we're going to sit back and watch our families enjoy the holidays too. But if anyone but, needs a last minute gift for a family member... Yes. We've got merch on the website. <laughs> I don't think it'll what? get there on time, though. <laughs> uh, that's true. But what do you get the person who has everything? Definitely a mug with a sperm with headphones, for sure. Yes. So if you go to IWantToPutABabyInYou.com, you can definitely find merchandise there. And even if you don't buy it, it just might make you giggle. And really, sometimes that's all that matters at this point. Right. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, but a huge thank you to everybody who listens. We really do appreciate you. We hope you have a wonderful holiday. And of course, always, we appreciate our team, Amanda and Tyler and Chris at Work at Bird Studios, who make us sound great. So happy holidays, everybody. Thank you. Thank you.